and welcome to Dawn of an Era of Wellbeing podcast that brings together some of the world's most innovative thinkers to weigh in on matters concerning the future of ourselves and our planet. And to discuss that future, not as something to be predicted, but to be created. In each episode, your hosts, Irvin Laszlo and Frederick Tsao, and moderator, Nora Cesar, will converse with guests from numerous disciplines to help us navigate a new worldview, which derives its wisdom from a synthesis of ancient and modern, East and West, science and spirituality. From these seemingly divergent perspectives, we will demonstrate how we can create a new narrative and usher in the dawn of a better era. So, welcome everyone. Today's episode will be focusing on shamanism. Our guest is Marcella Lobos. Please allow me to introduce her. Marcella Lobos has been initiated in the healing and spiritual traditions of the Amazon and the Andes. She is the author of the book, Awakening Your Inner Shaman, and the co-author of Mystical Shaman Oracle Cards. Born and raised in Chile, Marcella graduated from a prestigious journalism program. Later, she pursued studies in yoga and wellness and completed the Healing the Light Body School of the Four Wind Society in 2005. Today, she's a teacher at the same school and spearheads its Spanish wing. Throughout the last decade, Marcella has led hundreds of students through the Medicineville and Munayaki programs. She also travels internationally to lead sacred journeys for women to awaken their own power, grace, and wisdom. She lives between Chile with her husband, Alberto Villoldo, and you can visit her work online at marcellalobos.com. Thank you, Marcella, for being with us today. It's an honor to be with all of you, and I'm very grateful for this invitation. And I am in service. Whatever I can do, um, please let me know. Thank you. And now please allow me to introduce our hosts, Irvin Laszlo and Frederick Zhao. Irvin Laszlo, two-time Nobel Peace Prize nominee, world-renowned philosopher and system scientist, author or co-author of over 106 books, founder of the Laszlo Institute of New Paradigm Research and the Club of Budapest, the recipient of multiple honors and awards at the Goy Peace Prize, the Assisi Mandir of Peace Prize, and the Luxembourg Peace Prize. And Fred Zhao, business leader, futurist, practitioner of Eastern wisdom and Western science, author, chairman of the Family Business Network's Council of Wisdom, and founder of the prestigious Octave Institute, fusing ancient wisdom and quantum science as a platform for people to achieve a purposeful life, mindfully lived at the new levels of consciousness and freedom. Welcome, Irvin and Fred. To manage the session today, I would invite, I would like to invite our co-host to share some opening remarks, about five minutes each, followed by our guest, Marcella Lobos, to spend about 10-15 minutes to share her review in relation to today's topic, which is shamanism in the modern world. And then we can spend the rest of the time in a more interactive basis, so we can respond to each other's perspectives. So, first I would like to invite 
Irvin to the stage to share his opening <laughs> remarks and then Fred. Irvin? Well, I'm delighted to be here with Marcello and with Alberto, whom I've been in contact with her husband some, for some time already. And I'm delighted to have them here. I always admired the work of Alberto, with whom I was more familiar than with Marcellus, and, and I'm delighted to have this new, renewed contact through Marcello now. <clears throat> I am particularly interested in shamanism. My youngest son has so interested in shamanism that he took a degree in school in California in shamanism, and he's considered to be an official shaman, at least in California. Well, it's because I, and I can understand that. I can appreciate that. Why? Because shamanism has something to offer. It seems to be magical. It is not only just a worldview. It seems to me that it is something, it's just a very active thing. A shaman acts in the world and changes the world. <clears throat> I'm very interested in this topic. And to, I'd like to have asked two questions to Marcella, and then we can discuss anything else that you like. <clears throat> What is it about shamans that is different from the rest of us? What is it that we should know about it? How would it be if we become shamans? What would it do to us? And the second question is, try to thought experiment. What if a majority, at least a critical mass of people, would be active as, as, as shamans? What kind of a world would we have? How would the world be changed under the impact of shamans? I had the privilege to spend some time with Siberian shamans while I was in India. I also had some shamans from Mexico while I was in Mexico. And I was, came away with the impression that these are unusual people. What to, they give us as individuals, and what do they give us as a human humanity in search of its way in the world? I'd like to have these answers because these have been looking for these answers for a long time, and I'm glad to have this opportunity with Marcelo to get some light, shed some light on it. Thank you again for considering it, and then we'll carry on in any way you like. Thank you, last uh, Irvin. Thank you so much. Um, well, let's remember first that the word shaman, it's an umbrella word that has origins from exactly the Siberia area. And anthropologists brought that concept, that word actually to the West, beginning in the late 1700s. Um, so, but in essence, a shaman is that person that knows how to mediate between the visible world and the invisible world, between the world of nature, of matter, of mother, and the world of spirit. Um, so um, it's in, interesting to note that in original societies, earth societies, the shaman um, was, was called um, by the ancestors or by a crisis. Um, I mostly have worked with the shamans in the Andes, and one way of being called to become a shaman is through lightning. So someone was struck literally by lightning, and if they survived, they were rewired and open, wide open, to uh, work with spirit. 
It's interesting that nowadays people that get struck by lightning in the Andes, they don't survive because they're wearing cell phones and shoes with um, with nails and, and metal. So they, they die um, in general. Um, so there, there are very uh, few uh, shamans left in the Andes that have been called like in that very um, just impactful way with the lightning. Um, but the shaman then is the person that is it, it's wide open or at least has an opening, a portal to to understand the messages from the beyond. And and this is not exclusive to um, indigenous societies. If we remember that we are all indigenous peoples, we're all aboriginals, we all know, we were all born on this earth. So uh, it's very it's very acceptable and understandable that anybody, any person in the world, uh, doesn't matter which country, where they live in, what city, they feel a calling to to become a shaman. And the way I was called, for example, was through crisis. I was in deep emotional crisis, and that took me to to hear. Uh, to surrender in desperation and to hear the grandmothers calling me. I was living in the U.S., very, very distressed life, but I started hearing the drums from my land, from Chile. And I had not been in Chile for uh, three years at that point, but I, I felt the need to come back and to reconnect with my roots. And I think that what has happened to Westerners is that Though we could remain so spiritual, but our spirituality um, made us turn to the heavens. So this um, patriarchal religion, the, the, the religion of the fathers, it, it's very focused on looking at the light, to the sun and to the light above in the skies. And, 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 and this... Uh, urgency to become enlightened. It's all about the light, but we forget about the other side of the equation, which is the dark. And it's not its not that we want to commune and, and be dancing with the demons that live in the dark, but, but be in connection with what has been called the fruitful darkness, uh, the aspect of the darkness that is so necessary for us people, all peoples all over the world, uh, the darkness that allows us to rest deeply at night, to to dream and connect with our um, what we know as the unconscious, thanks to Carl Jung. So, because um, the, in these dreams we have messages and we connect with that beyond. So, the portal to the beyond is not just um, uh, outside of us, out in nature, though we can open the portal and call the rains and change the weather and and all of that, but also that portal should be towards our own uh, personal and then also the collective unconscious. And then we can live a much richer lives. So I give a lot of credit personally to the work of Carl Jung and depth psychology as a, as a bridge to understand shamanism in a deeper way. 
And if we, if we all, to your second question, how would the world be different if we were many more of us would be shamans, mm -hmm. uh, we would be more connected to our roots. And again, the roots, it's to the darkness of, of our being. Um, I'm a woman and as a woman, I have lived shamanism. So, and I have lived shamanism, like I said, mostly in the Andes, but also in the Amazon. And then also with the medicine women of Southern Chile, and also with some shamans from Tibet and Mongolia and et cetera. And as a woman, I, 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 I feel like my mission is to help us remember that the dark is not the enemy. The dark is just half of the equation. And we just have to vibrate and be careful with what we hang out with in the dark. <laughs> um, so yeah, so more about roots and, and more paying attention to the subtleness of, of reality, to, to the world of spirit and, and to our own unconscious. Well, just a question, Marcella. You talk about roots. Yes. Are these common roots? There's a beautiful saying, you know, I think it comes from, from James, uh, William James, how we are all connected in the depths, like in un, under the, in, in, all the roots of the trees are connected. In, on the surface, you may be separate, but you're un, underneath, we're all connected. So by remembering our roots, by connecting to our roots, do we connect to each other? Yes, we so badly need connections. We so badly need solidarity in this world, you know. Absolutely. So that would help connecting to a root, would help us to connect to other people with different faiths, different beliefs, but also living on Earth and trying to be part of this evolving human community on Earth. Would shamans help this progression toward oneness? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I would say that uh, for me, it's more like not just the roots, but the branches. So in this co-creation, our destiny, uh, in moving forward, it's not about the roots and the past and what comes from the depths within, but where are we going? And the, and the uh, Fred being a futurist could appreciate this. Like as we dream our world into being, as shamans say, dreaming the world into being, imagining it, and then acting on that in that imagination. Um, we also are not alone. We are uh, converging with our branches, reaching up to the heavens. So um, I want to say that um, I, 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 I had the syndrome of being rootless, a rootless Westerner. And, and, and in that is where I felt lonely and separated, didn't matter how many friends I had, but I was, I was not a um, stable person and I was very uh, vulnerable in this world. And sometimes we feel like if we have enough money, we're going to feel safer. And then sometimes we, we feel so unsafe, doesn't matter how much money we make, we still don't feel safe enough. So. When I heard the drums of the of the medicine women of Southern Chile, and I came and I found them, and I trained with them, and I found my roots again, uh, it was it was oh, I it was like I was never alone again. I was held by Pachamama, Mother Earth, and and that has been the biggest, most precious gift of of these traditions of the Earth that. 
um, we we can Westerners and especially very scientific minds can laugh about about these. Um, I remember like a story that I heard so many people tell of a of an indigenous woman saying in, in a scientific community that we were uh, held by Mother Turtle, that we live in Turtle Island, and what's underneath that holding that turtle another turtle and turtles all the way down yes. so and we we can laugh about this but these are very deep truths in a way what it's saying is that we, we are not floating alone in the cosmos but we are held by a consciousness a love um that is motherly that is always there and that's what shamanism gave me but let me tell you something after I was deep into the shamanic practices, um, again, after a few years, I felt lost because I'm also um, a, a person who grew up in modern civilization, and I felt awkward not knowing how to be part of this Western uh, technological modern civilization, I felt left out. And I imagine that many, perhaps many indigenous communities feel like left out and isolated and vulnerable. So I had to find a way to immerse myself more in the conversation uh, with my people too, the Westerner mind. So that's how um, I connected again with um, depth psychology and Jungian psychology. And that helped me a lot to find answers. Um, did I answer your question, Irving? What was your question? <laughs> it's, it's a very wonderful answer and it's a deep answer. And it's something we have to pursue. But what you are saying is just makes me ask this just as a last thing and then we hand it over to Fred and they're getting up on this conversation. How do you become a shaman? You decided you decide to be one, like my son decided to be a shaman because he admired shamans, you know. So how do you become a shaman? What is your practical advantage? It, you, you're telling us that shamans connect. They connect each other. We need connection. We want to be more part of this family. It's a human family. As a shaman, perhaps we, we, we feel more part human on this planet, which is not exposed to so much stress. Okay, so if I decide that I want to be a shaman, I, I know if I ask this question to a Buddhist, there, there's very clear answers that we get, you know, about letting go, about, about if you ask this to psychotherapists, they tell us, they tell us how to enter altered states of consciousness and so on. You know, what is your way? What is the road that you can see ahead if to become more, if not becoming a shaman, becoming like a shaman? Mm. How can we approach this mentality, this magic, which is connoted by the term shaman? Mm -hmm. Very important question. Um, <clears throat> so first, I would like to acknowledge the people that become shamans or that person that knows how to restore balance and how to bring well-being to an individual or their community and, and respect their unique ways. Um, so as a Westerner, I don't think the proper way to become a shaman 
is by dressing up like anybody else, uh, by um, putting a poncho or wearing feathers like they do in the Amazon or like they do in the Andes or just, it's not the outer outfit, um, but it's, it's really uh, connecting from deep within. So to become a shaman, we speak about the call from spirit. We feel the call. And when we speak about spirit, we can be speaking about spirit in the earth as mother earth, spirit manifested. So in whatever way that call comes, but we feel it within, um, it's not like a decision, like what should I study to make money? Um, what career should I study? But it's, it's really like inside of ourselves, we feel um, that our ground has been shaken and that I have to, um, it's a feeling. And I like to think of the hero's journey at this point, the hero's journey, <clears throat> um, how the hero is, is called to an adventure, to leave the status quo that doesn't make sense any longer. Uh, when we feel like zombies in life, there's no more feel, feeling of purpose, uh, just we feel like something has to change and we embark in this adventure. Um, consciously or not, we all embark in the adventure of the hero, but not everybody becomes a hero. A lot of people uh, get stuck in, in one of the, the milestones of the hero's journey, but don't make it all the way through. Some people literally die in their attempt. Some people they stay stuck in in their they hear they hear the calling, but then they get stuck in the hesitation. Should I go? Should I not? Should I go? Should I not? What they're gonna say? What are people gonna say? How I'm gonna pay my bills? And they get stuck in 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 their same old routines, and then they get sick, and and then they can be sick forever, unless they really um, answer the calling. So in answering this calling, we just follow our hearts and see where it leads us. In my case, as I said, it led me from being a mother 24 seven, two little kids trying to be responsible citizen, pay my bills at the end of the month in the US away from my family. It took me all the way back to my country and to uh, connect with the medicine people here. And then with the shamans of, of, of Peru, and so we we have to at some point follow our hearts. And what's difficult about this is that we we have to step. We might have to step, and for sure we have to step into the unknown. And that is so uncomfortable for the Westerner. Uh, the Westerner wants to know exactly what's going to happen, how I'm going to do it, uh, how I'm going to pay for it, um, how I'm going to just make it through when I will be back. And it's a it's a very scary territory for the Westerner. So uh, though many may feel the calling, not everybody will answer the calling. It I is can see Fred is eager to say something to that, Marcella. Fred? No, I'm, I'm listening with uh, great interest, but I, what caused in my mind was that before I framed the my thinking about the conversation is that the Chinese word shaman is one stroke representing the sky or cosmos or heaven, 
one line representing the earth and one stroke linking them, and then a person, but that person has two, which means that the shaman is the one who links heaven and earth and walk as human in both the visible and invisible world. So mm -hmm. freely connecting these realities. So mm -hmm. just listening to early uh, how the Chinese character described shaman. But here we're here to discuss because um, it's dawned on a new era. And we call it era, we call it thing, it's our own interpretation, our own shared experience, because language is nothing but shared experience expressed with symbol, symbolism of words. And so in this new era where the world is global and a common challenge of dealing uh, with sustainability and a desire to be well, and these are the trends and these are challenges where we're evolving to. We have moved from a different ways and concept of living from the early uh, humans of shaman, which is nature and connection nature. And, you know, and then move into religious belief based spirituality to the expression of God with materialism as um, our um, current science uh, are talking about. But then the material science move into quantum science and then explain all reality in terms of consciousness. And since everything is whole, that's why our nature is loving. And then we have to go back to be the whole to feel we have roots, to feel we're at home. And so everything keeps evolving and we need a new language to have a new shared experience on earth and cross index them to deal with human nature. Now, the minute we in the material world, we're lost into our wants and desire and hence their shadow and lights but shadow and lights are actually one. They're part of the consciousness. So, yes, we are made from lights, but they're different energy. The shadow is mean that it has no energy. It's a different kind of energy. Perhaps it's a heavier energy. It's not as high frequency as light. And so we cannot look at shadow and light in human terms. Of course, Carl Jung's uh, is a good expression on the material world where the shadow sides are things we cannot accept because we are not open to it. However, uh, what we want to do is come up with a language across these eras. And now in the new era of well-being, where we awaken that really our deepest, deepest desire, which are made of, is to be well. Well-being is coherence. Well-being is one. And this is our home. This is where our roots are to go back, to feel that we are home. And everything is me, and I am everything. And that is love. And so in this new era, we need to have a different expression. I believe that we'll move into an era of awakening. 
you know, whether woman or man, it's human awakening, where spirituality goes back to direct access of experience. And again, to find human connective and the language for that shared experience that is directly experiencing our spirituality, which is this consciousness, this one. And there are many methods to go there, but we now hopefully can come with a scientific language so that we can cross index into unity and not be divided because of the language of the belief system, but believe, but a new language of direct experience of spirituality itself. And so, hence, I think these series of broadcasts are focusing for the indexing work. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. I find it really interesting that you mentioned the Chinese symbol for shaman, because I, I just started thinking in, in Hungarian, we have a special word, we have the word shaman, just shaman, same, but Zerwin might also be aware, it's called Taltos, and that's only for those specific people who were part of the tribe and they were either chosen or they learned how to be a shaman or a tartosh and that was uh, uh, a special way as you said to connect the two worlds so are there still any shamans in china i would like to know oh yeah plenty oh okay if you look at the taoist tradition taoists are shamans oh really and taoist practices energy work qi yes so, so it's working with qi because we're made by qi we are qi so to go beyond and work the energy to refine the energy until we're enlightened is doing energy work so it will cleanse our body mind and spirit and reverse our perception of the world which is body mind spirit to a reality of spirit mind body and that needs surrendering and reducing your desire and not the desire to separate that's good that's bad that's yin and that's yang yin and yang just energy vibrating yes Taoists are shamans they have been around for tens of thousands of years i love that i love that this all connected everywhere it doesn't matter if it's in the andes or china or europe it's somehow all connected so marcella oh, can, yeah. oh, can i just come so yes. the Taoist is an evolutionary process of shamanism and the Taoists promote one thing nature nature be natural the Tao is nature. Mm -hmm. That is a quality of shamanic um, shamanism all over the world. Like shamans are animistic. They recognize spirit in all nature. So they speak with the rivers, the stones. I have had discussions with Buddhists and they say, um, do shamans think that um, animals um, should um, awaken and are they sentient beings? Of course, yeah, and they agree as well. But do plants have are sentient beings? 
And I say, yes, even stones are sentient beings from the shamanic um, point of view. And I, when, when I heard you speak, Fred, um, I, of course, I resonate with everything about unity, but I also share so much the experience of, of diversity. So we are all made of, of consciousness, of light, of dark, of the elements, of the earth, of the minerals, of the waters. Um, um, so everything in nature, we're made of that and we're made of the things of the stars, of the, of the elements in the universe. But how it all dance in each one of us is unique. And I really cherish that. The, the uniqueness of, of, of how all the elementals uh, dance in each one, in each person. And, and I think that is important to respect. And that's something that Jung said, be careful with trying to be homogeneous, like creating uh, societies of everybody the same, because society and culture flourishes from creativity from the individual that's not gonna if you try to make everybody the same um you're not gonna you're gonna repress the creativity in the individual and that is so important so i i i i think that's important to to point yeah i think that if you look at nature Nature is made of stones, trees, birds, bees. It seems diverse, but everything is made on shades of consciousness. So everything is whole and they synchronized. However, human beings are not like other animals. We can be all animals in our nature and we are creative. If you think about uh, when there was a Phuket tsunami, all the animal birds are going inland up the mountain and all the people running to the beach. They no longer can sense information from Earth that trouble is coming. So human beings are all creative, but also delusionary. So when I mean unity, I do not mean homogeneous. Mm -hmm. Actually, the word should be holistic. However, human as a race, before we even move to holistic, there must be some degree of unity so that we can actually create together. And this unity I mentioned is in the context of the human situation that we're in. Yeah. But actually the world should be holistic and just like nature, everything does mm -hmm. not seem the same, but they're all synchronized. And yeah. Rock I mean, I completely, I completely agree with everything you said. I completely agree. But I just wanted to also mention this um, this view. As yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally uh, concur with you. I'm just kind of clarified when mm -hmm. I used that word. doesn't mean that. Mm -hmm. And I think Irvin wanted to say something. <laughs> Well, these are systemic evolutionary principles that can be expressed in them in different ways. But ultimately, we are part of an evolutionary process of integration of diverse elements into unity. In the recent years, in the recent last century, perhaps, 
the element of diversity has overcome the element of, of, of unity. We are, we are worshiping individuality in the West in such a way that we often forget our common elements, our common roots. Commonness doesn't mean, as Fred and what you saying, it doesn't mean sameness. Commonality means being part of a system, just like every cell in our body is part of our whole body. It doesn't mean that it is, the, all the cells are the same. That could, wouldn't be a living organism. That would be just a heap of, of, of cells. So the systems are very clear. But what we can learn from shamanism is that what fascinates me. The shaman is really becoming the change. It's, it is incorporating a different view of the world. It seems to me, to me, shamanism is associated with something that's magic, that's out of the ordinary, that's above yes. the ordinary, you know. And that, that's something which will bring us into contact with that higher reality from beyond that you're talking about. How can we all reach, become more, more open to reach that beyond? Whether we call it the Tao, whether we call it the, the, the living spirit, whether we call it the, the Yehovah, Jehovah, or whatever name we give it. There is this higher unit, this higher intelligence, which to which we can be open. We need to be open so that we live on this earth with some element of understanding and coherence, what we are searching for. So it seems to me shaman as an active person who is becoming the change we need is a very important presence. That's why I'm fascinated with the idea of having more shamans around us. How yeah. would be contagious? How would that change yeah. us? Any, any thoughts on that? And we have a school for shamans, Erwin. We have a school called the Four Winds Society, where we train people to be modern shamans, shamanic practitioners. And we go through a journey there um, to understand how to create this communion with the beyond and how to dialogue, because scientists wants to want to explain the great mystery, wants to know everything about um, about how the universe works. But for the shaman, it's more important than understanding it in the head with numbers or uh, theories. What's important is to, to feel it, to interact with the great mystery, to, to um, sense it, feel it there, and then communicate. How? Many times with offerings, like offerings and offerings, to open that portal and then receive. And 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 what you said about the magic, yes, it's about uh, knowing how to listen so finely that we know where how to how to flow, how to um, how to read the energies. And, and read the signs of destiny. We speak about reading the signs of destiny. For example, I was just with some musicians in Peru and and they say, do you think it's gonna rain this week? Do we need to hire, um, hire um, just a tent so we, we don't get wet? I said, well, if you want to be a Westerner, of course, go ahead, call the company to come and bring you a tent and then uh, pay whatever they charge you for. Uh, but if you want to be like like the shamans here, then we have to do an offering. 
and be in reciprocity, right relationship with the heavens, with the earth, with the mountains, and let them know we're here and that we are going to bring music and it will not rain. And this was a German a musician a group. And they said, I think we uh, we want to learn your way. We're going to listen to to the shamans here and do it the shamanic way. And it didn't rain a drop. It would rain in the morning. It would drizzle, but not when they had to play. So it was beautiful. And and that's how um, how it is for shamans, because they know that the water in the sky is also inside of themselves. So we know the water is inside. We, so we need to be in that reciprocity with our own waters, uh, honor the elements in our own bodies, honor the universe in our own microcosm that is our own being. And, and then as we have a very just uh, a relationship of gratitude, of devotion, of deep honoring in our own lives, in our own little worlds, then we we are also we are cultivating that reciprocity with the ecosphere, with the ecosystem around. And that's how we can change the weather. We can call on the rains and so forth. And we can create that magic, that synchronicity. Um, when when I take Westerners, people, modern people to journey with us in the mountains or many different places around the world with shamans, they're always so amazed at the synchronistic um, way of journeying. Like everything happens just the right moment in, in a way that seems miraculous, miraculous. So... So that's a good way, Irving, to to cultivate uh, this magic around is by really being in in right relationship with the elements and and energies within and just in the immediate um, in the immediate world. And this is what we teach in our in our uh, programs at the Four Winds Society and much, much more. I mean, I could talk for, for days and days about the processes um, that in a nutshell, is always about creating harmony, uh, um, knowing how to release, let go, surrender that which is heavy, doesn't serve, and then knowing how to bring the good energies and, and what, uh, uplifts the spirits of people and of the land and, and of the surroundings. You know, you have just pronounced the key word that has been coming up in our, dis in our discussions in this series of explorations of the different religions and different belief systems. That key word is harmony, not sameness, not exclusivity, living together harmoniously with mm -hmm. one another, through one another, you know. And it seems to me that if you heal that again from shamanism, the same as you've heard from the indigenous, other indigenous belief systems, we heard it from all the great religions, this search for harmony is the highest level of oneness that you can find. And that way I see, it seems to me, from what I hear from you and what I've known a little bit before, is that shamanism would be, is a very positive, very constructive development of the human psyche on this in, in this planet, humanity reaching a higher level of well-being, 
to use Fred's term, a new era of well-being. Shamanism could be an, instruct, an, an essential element, a roadmap guiding us to find that level of oneness, which is not sameness, but which is harmony and coherence. So I'm very pleased to hear that. And I'm very pleased to know that there are ways that young people or anybody who's interested can actually systematically develop their own powers to become mm -hmm. shamans, not as becoming somebody exclusive outside of the world, but somebody who is with the world and guiding the world to a higher level of harmony. Mm -hmm. Yes, actually, the, the word harmony um, in the Andes is, is Aini, and it's the only guide, it's like the main and only guiding, not the only, but the main, main guiding principle for the, for the village, for the society. So um, it's, I mean, it, it really, it means reciprocity as well, the word Aini. So when someone needs help, uh, people go and help without asking, are you going to help me tomorrow? It's like, it's like uh, the next day someone else will need help. So everybody will help or whoever can will help the other person. And, and like that, they help each other and they do, um, they cultivate the harmony with nature and they're always giving what they can. Uh, it's not about becoming a martyr, giving more than you can, becoming a rescuer, um, but just being there, present and in service where you are called to go, and then showing up, showing up, because uh, we we know that the, the the traditions of the East are calling us to awaken, to awaken the depth psychology and psychology and the Western psychology is calling us to grow up, to be mature, to be responsible people, to be, be able to respond to the demands of our daily lives. And the, the way of the shaman is to show up, show up where you're called to be in service. And Pachamama is calling us, right? Yeah, Pachamama, Great Spirit, the apples, the mountains, uh, each other, the children crying that need to be fed. We need to show up where we're called to be in service. And that is that is the way of the Andes. So they need they don't need many, they don't need laws and rules and books of full of, of, of laws because they have this principle of being in reciprocity with life. If I have the health and the and the resources to show up, then I, I, that's reciprocity. I am given all this abundance. Now I should show up and, and share the abundance. And then another day you will need help and someone else will show up for you. But it's not like, a, like in the Western world, like I gave you 10, you have to give me 10. It's more like the Taoist, like flowing, like in a river. You receive and you give without paying so much attention to who and what is life. That's that's the way. Mm -hmm. Well, I think those are very nice words to conclude on. Uh, I would like to call in Fred for his concluding words, if that's possible. Yeah, and, I, sorry. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and then I will ask Erwin if he would like to add anything Fred? Yes. Um, 
as I said earlier, I think in this era, all era collapse into one and take stock and to really come out with commonality and understanding of commonality so we can move on to create this new era. Uh, this commonality is necessary for common sense, common logic to work on this common goal together. Thank you. Beautiful. Arvin? I just want to say a word of appreciation to Fred, who is the initiator of this series, to Kenichi, who has been doing all the technical arrangements and running it up for us, and to this young lady whom I see in front of me now called Nora, who has been introducing and moderating this series. It's extremely useful and even essential to explore our diversity and to find the commonality, as Fred has just said. In this series, we are doing that. Each one of these podcasts is an experience in itself, one inviting more inspiring than the other. Each one remarkable people who are telling us that we are all part of each other. Whichever language they are using, it's the, the end result is always that we are part of that oneness which is evolving on this earth. So I, 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 have a, I have a great pleasure and I want to just note that to be a part of this and I look forward to continuing it. And for now, just want to sell Marcella for this tremendous conversation that we have had with her. And we all try to be future shamans in the, in the sense in which she has pointed out the way to us. Thank you all. Thank you, Irwin. And I have a question to Marcella. Would it be possible, because um, we would like to end the podcast with maybe a blessing or a prayer from you, something that the audience would be able to receive and take with them when they listen to this episode? Mm, thank you, Nora, Irving, Fred, and everyone. Um, maybe since we're speaking about commonality, I can guide a short prayer in which uh, with the four common elements of all shamanic prayers, as I um, just looked so closely to many shamanic traditions from around the world, I, I have seen that every shamanic tradition has these four elements and, and I'll guide you through them, uh, but quickly they are summoning, who are we calling, who are we directing the prayer to, second, um, I call it, I am humble, like no, just realizing that we're still growing, evolving, self-realizing who we are, and we're still in the journey. So we, we, we don't know everything. And from not knowing, we make mistakes. We, um, we offend people, we destroy the earth and do things like that. So instead of saying, I am sorry, I call it, I am humble from the word, word humus, humble humus, humus is earth. I am still a human, human also whom of the earth and I'm learning. So, and then the gratitude and finally the longing, what am I longing for? So if you might wanna experience this, um, please find your roots. We have been speaking about roots with your feet, with your heart, connect to the earth and mother holding us. 
and then opening the heart to our destinies in common, our destinies as humanity, and reaching up to the heavens, to the light and the night of the heavens, the energies that feed us every day to take that next breath in our lives and take a few breaths to really know that we're here alive right now and it's such a privilege and a responsibility to be alive right now. And we can join with our hands in front of the heart with this prayer mudra. So common to all so many traditions, the prayer mudra in front of the heart. And here from our hearts, we can call in the great spirit in any name that is most authentic to us. So we can call on the great spirit, the fountain of great consciousness, God, goddess, whatever is our authentic way to connect with the great spirit. And to any beings that we also want to direct the prayer to. So summoning any beings that we want to speak with right now. And I am calling Pachamama, <laughs> Mother Earth. And now we can say, I am humble and I am sorry if we want for whatever, whatever we need to bring up from the, from the dark places inside that is feeling uncomfortable so we can shine light on it. Like if I was very impatient and I yell at someone, or if I borrow money, never give it back, or if I had been just lazy and not showing up to the calling, whatever we need to bring up to say, I am sorry, I am humble. And and this is whatever we need to say also to repair, to repair and come back to that harmony, that reciprocity. And now we can say, I'm I am grateful. We can give thanks for this day, this breath, anything that we're grateful for, friendships, this community that is listening right now, the food that nourishes us every day, gratitude. And with the fertile soil of gratitude, we can, we can feel what are we longing for more than I want 
something material like a bigger house or a more shiny car, perhaps what I long for and let spirit know what do you long for? May it come to you. And qualities like community, more celebration, more music, more dance. What is it that you're longing for? More patience, more stillness. And my drum just exploded. And that means aho. <laughs> As shamans say, aho, so be it. So aha. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Marcella. That was beautiful, beautiful. What a compelling note to conclude on. I am Dora Cesar with our host, Erwin Laszlan Fredericksell, thanking today's very special guest, Marcella Lobos, and our worldwide audience, as well as our wonderful production team, which I am happy to be a part of, led by Kenichi Sugihara, Tai Suki, and those many others at Octave Institute and the Laszlo Institute. From whatever nation state or emotional state you might be in, this is the place to tune in. We invite you to join us for more episodes of Dawn of an Era of Wellbeing podcast, as well as to give the book to yourself or to a loved one. It is a true companion for these challenging times. The bravado of our ego has historically gotten the better of us. So remember, this time when building the new paradigm for humankind, let's include humankindness. Stay tuned and stay attuned. for listening. Dawn of an Era of Wellbeing is a co-production of the Laszlo Institute of New Paradigm Research, the Octave Institute, and Select Books Publishers. Our theme music is Chimera by Biba Dupont. For more information about Dawn of an Era of Wellbeing, please visit our website at www.thelasloinstitute.com. If you enjoy our program, please remember to subscribe to us on your podcast service. And if you are using Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating to help other listeners learn about our show. See you next time.